0: Scholars generally don't like binaries. Binary means understanding the world in two opposing categories that define each other by mirroring, and humans have strong tendency to understand the world in these binaries. Night and day, summer and winter. Many societies, for instance, have culture of defining men and women in these de- as this defining binary. Opposites. If there are two high schools in a town somewhere, then there's a good chance that they will have some sort of binary understanding of each other. Perhaps the students in one high school see the others as conservatives, while they themselves are hippies. And the other way around, they see themselves as conservatives and those ones are hippies. If polytheist pagans understand their religion to be undogmatic, egalitarian and feminist, then they'd often tend to claim that monotheist Christianity is probably the opposite. It's probably dogmatic, totalitarian, and patriarchal. So binaries are regularly used to reduce the world to simplistic ideas, sometimes bigoted ideas, like Islam is antithetical to the enlightenment ideals of Western civilization. But there's one fundamental binary that, I have actually come to think about as a really valid way of thinking about the world. And uh, it has actually been with me for a very long time. It looks at different human ways of building a cosmos, or building understanding of the cosmos. And though it might still be problematic to think of it too much as a binary, it does pose a kind of opposition, a tension, where different kinds of wor- uh, worldviews that lean towards these different poles on how to, to uh, build cosmos when they meet or even when they sometimes clash, actually. It is what I call a relation cosmos towards a distinction cosmos. Humans living in some communities somewhere sometime will probably likely have both elements in them somehow, but often there will be a distinct leaning in the way that the culture holds things together. Either put them in a jar, that's a distinction cosmos, or binding them together by relating, that's a relating cosmos. The last one is the most strongly, is the one that most strongly lays the ground for animism. There are actually several different fields of scholarship who think with similar concepts. Scholars of Western esotericism, they call the relation cosmos uh cosmotheist and they call the distinction cosmos monotheist animist anthropologists uh, they sometimes call the relation cosmos a continuous cosmology and the distinction cosmos they call a discontinuous cosmology and these different labels they of course they highlight different sides of these different kinds of cosmology but i want to point your attention to what i think is one of the nicest way of thinking about this uh, let's call it a binary. <laughs> uh, and that is uh, Tyson Junker porter the Aboriginal Australian uh, thinker, who, in a debate with an indigenous American theoretical physicist named P- Percy Paul, uh, developed this brilliant take on exactly this. <laughs> like, th- these incredibly nerdy indigenous dudes, where one is from the ice fields of northern Canada and one is from the scorching heat of Australian Queensland, it is as if they make this trickster move that I think most anthropologists would probably be too cautious to really make. They apply natural science as a metaphor for human culture. Specifically, they apply the laws of thermodynamics from physics, right? The first and the second law of thermodynamics. They then apply this to first and second peoples, indigenous peoples and settlers. According to the first law of thermodynamics, which characterizes indigenous peoples and thereby animist knowledge, nothing is created or destroyed. Nothing is held, accumulated or stored. Everything moves and transforms. So it's motion through infinite regenerative connections between systems and therefore Time is cyclical and regenerates creation, okay? So that's the first law. According to the second law uh, of uh, thermodynamics, which characterizes the realities of second peoples, settlers, the Euromodern communities, you know, according to this law, systems must, must be isolated. They must exist in a vacuum that, that sort of atrophies towards an end. So it's defined by the myth of infinite growth, but also in inevitable annihilation. So in that way of thinking, in that way of conceptualizing the world, time is linear. The second law is called entropy. What Juncker-Porter then says is that, yeah, entropy is a true law of physics when it is applied to the right segment of of reality, but if you misapply it, then it becomes what in <clears throat> Juncker-Porter's Aboriginal thinking is a curse, a piece of thinking, a piece of dreaming that is misapplied. It is, it is used on a set of reality where it doesn't serve us well. It becomes destructive. This entropy, according to Juncker-Porter, is therefore a curse on a grand civilizational scale entropic thinking that excludes the possibility of transformative dynamic relating between complex system that is the curse of western civilization and it's why we're going to towards this end i particularly like uh juncker porter and pearl's way of thinking about this because it it hones in on the functionality of relation uh, of the relation cosmos as opposed to how the entropic distinction cosmos works We, we can take a look at cultural history you know and ask ourselves for instance what exactly is it about say christianity that's a problem is it patriarchy is it dogmatism is it totalitarianism well perhaps those things are in there somewhere you know but it isn't like you couldn't find the same things among ancient or contemporary polytheists you know what I think is the problem with Christianity is that it represents a strong move towards an entropy or distinction-based cosmology, right? It's a move, but it isn't unilateral and simple. Look at something like Catholicism. It might be very entropic in some ways, but Catholics also have humans that can become deified after death, probably much like heathen kings and so on. There's sacred wells and stones all over the place perhaps even inhabited by some local saint, saint that may, might, might barely be approved by the Vatican. And a sacred woman like Saint Catherine of Siena, she had this practice of very piously whipping herself into shamanic trance with iron chains in order to be able to have sex with Christ, which is why her mortal coil became so sanctified that her head is still worshipped in the cathedral in Siena. It's all very metal, and primarily it's very animist. It's a, it's a relational cosmology that is, that is moving in these kind of practices. Also, when you think of power, Catholicism is, is, a, is a parallel system of power throughout uh, European history, which has existed in this sort of precarious, you know, relationship with state power. But when you then compare this to Protestantism, you see a strong further move towards entropy. Protestantism merges state and church power The nation-state becomes uh, the church, actually. The Holy Ghost of Christianity seem to inspire nationalist ideas such as the nation, uh, the Volksgeist, the culture. These are very entropic ideas, and this is sort of the big bang of uh, identitarianisms, nationalisms, folkisms, all this, you know, the mother of entropic ideas. Volksgeist or blood, you know, is that idea that there's a container, and inside that container, there's a uniform kind of essence whose uniformity defines your belonging into it. Where a relational cosmology would build our self image on relation to other, like for instance a totemic relation. So, Christianity in very early times strove towards pushing animist relation out of reach, but with Protestantism, uh, it is placed decidedly outside human reach. So Protestantism is a very uncompromising move to more, towards a distinction-leaning cosmology of abstracting, you know, abstracting the divine so far out of contact from man that almost zero interaction is possible. It's a strongly distinction-focused entropic worldview. And while doing this, Protestantism links more powerfully with the state power than Catholicism. So if you check out, for instance, my interview with the Irish author uh, Moncon Magan, he describes a reality in Catholic Ireland where traditional knowledge has been less eroded uh, than in Protestant contexts. And thinking with an distinction uh, versus uh, relation, that also shows an important affinity between Christianity and modernity. Modernity, like Protestantism, is an extremely distinction-based cosmology. Matter is completely distinct from subjectivity, right? German is distinct from Danish. Religious is distinct from profane. White European is supposed to be distinct from other. Objectivity is distinct from barbarous superstition and self-appointed gurus and all that stuff. This is... Uh, modernist uh, distinction making so yeah obviously i think that our task today is to make space for thinking about the world as dynamically transformational and related rather and rather than only as segmented into uh, distinct categories because that is what will allow real powerful animist knowledge to grow thanks for listening and see you around